Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Hopefully you will vote. We always encourage people to vote. Uh, that doesn't always work. On a good year, we sometimes close in on close to 40% voting. On a bad year, it's down to 30%. we um, hoping it's higher than either of those this time. Nonetheless, uh, we now have, as of this week, some new data about who is leading, presumably, uh, thanks to Main Street Research, which uh, has done some polling on the mayoral race here in the city. Andrea Horvath, Keenan Loomis, and Bob Bertina, of course, the three leading candidates. I want to bring in Robert Martin. He is the data analyst from Main Street Research who produced this polling result uh, for the for the poll. Uh, Robert, thank you for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, no problem. Happy to be here. This um, interesting, this is an interesting one. You've done two of these now. One of them was in July, which was sort of an early version of this because Andrea Horvath was either just into the, just announced or was just about to announce. I can't remember at that time. Uh, So now we've got another couple months to sort through this. This is a really interesting number you came up with because her number basically is exactly the same then and now, which I, what, what does that tell you about her support that, that her name recognition was so great right off the bat that she had all she was going to get or what, what do you take from the fact that it really hasn't moved in a couple of months up or down? Yeah, it is very remarkable. Um, actually you mentioned about the July poll. It was funny. We literally pulled that days before she announced. So we, we had the poll, we were weighing it and she announced and we're like, okay, I guess we, we should probably publish that now. <laughs> uh, but but no, yeah, it's very, very little change, right? 37% in that survey in July, 36 and a half on the survey today. I think it really does speak to kind of a ceiling uh, for kind of the NDP. Or Well, I mean, Horvath obviously was the, the NDP leader, right? I think there's kind of a natural ceiling for kind of left-aligned or, or maybe NDP-aligned candidates in Hamilton. So that that's kind of the bad news. But the good news is that that 37% is more than enough to win the day from, from what it looks like, right? So, yeah, I, I, I feel like there are current, there are voters who would support Andrea Horvath. And I, I think that, that she's just kind of reached that ceiling. And, and I think that's, that's kind of where she stayed at. There's like about 37% or so. Now, of course, she's undecided. Some undecided will break for her. But you're looking at about 37%. That's about her core. And I don't think that's going higher or, or much lower. Uh, on an election day. Robert, it does speak, I think, also something about, we always hear in municipal elections in particular, name recognition is a huge benefit and no one came into this. Bob Bertina had high name recognition for sure, but no one probably came into this with higher name recognition. So there was no buildup for Andrea Horvath. She was, she was there. As soon as she started, she was there. Yeah. And, and, and that's a huge help, right? I mean, you, you look at a lot of mayoral races. I mean, you look at Toronto, obviously, but John Tory has the highest name recognition there. A lot of these, a lot of these mayoral races are determined by uh, by name rec, like who 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 is the most well known. And Andrew Horvath obviously had the highest, and that seems to be really helping here. I think a lot of people know recognize the name. I mean. Uh, literally months ago, I think what five six months ago, a lot of I mean, literally a lot of NDPers and in, in a lot of people in Hamilton Center, they literally voted for her, right? She got fifty seven percent of the vote in Hamilton Center, right? Even in 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 outer like, and a lot of people outside of Hamilton Center voted for her as well. They they carried her party carried three of the uh, ridings in Hamilton, right? So, I think it's 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 a very high recognition, and and a lot of people even just six months ago they wanted her to they they elected her to to run the province and. Although she didn't, 
um, obviously win the election for for the provincial election, they're getting a chance to vote for her for mayor, and I think a lot a lot of them are jumping at the chance for that as well. Keenan Loomis, um, so back in uh, back at the start of this, back in July when you did your first poll, he was at thirteen percent, um, the opposite of Andrew Horvath. No, well, very little, not none, very little name recognition at that time. Now that he's had two months of speaking and debating and being out there, um, he's jumped up to 29% almost. Uh, That would seem like momentum. I mean, it absolutely is momentum, but I just, I wonder if there's any sense, if there's still more room for him in this, or if he with six days left has hit where he can hit. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little. I'd be a little concerned about that too. Uh, the thing of it is, when, when you look at our poll, it's uh, very tough to to contact younger voters, and um, as such, they they make up a. I mean, we obviously weigh them up, but there's only so much you can do when you when you weigh them up. So, uh, a large part of our sample is is over 65, and if now again, obviously, younger people make up a large part of the sample, and and they do. But if younger people turn out more. Um, like or Andrew Horvath has a large lead with 18 to 49s, which should be the largest segment of the electorate. If a lot more of them turn out than than expected, then yeah, this uh, this this becomes a lot bigger than the uh, than than the, the the nine point lead that we have now. Additionally, um, Loomis's um, kind of group that they be, the, the 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 demographic he's doing the best with tend to be higher income and uh, university-educated voters, uh, un- voters with a university education. So those voters tend to be kind of in outer Hamilton, where um, Horvath does the best with kind of younger voters and, and voters with a high school or less education. Those voters kind of tend to be kind of more downtown Hamilton. And I think at, at this point, um, although Loomis has made a lot of gains with those voters, I think you're hitting a kind of a ceiling where like more, more of Hamilton is. Uh, like there is obviously suburban Hamilton, but a lot more of it is urban, and I think that's what we're—that's kind of the, the ceiling that Loomis has hit now. Who, though, of the two, young voters or older suburban voters, who tends to be the more reliable voter? Who who's got a better chance of getting their voters out? See, that's the thing, right? Loomis, um, Loomis does, right? Older voters, older homeowners, those tend to be the voters that that are most likely to vote in in a municipal election. Um, but again. You never can, you never, like sometimes young voters do vote, right? And and there's a lot of issues affecting them. And, and as you, if you look through the poll that's posted on in politics, you can see a lot more of those issues and, and how they affect it. So they can turn out and vote. And again, right now with kind of neutral turnout assumptions, Horvath is still winning. If younger voters turn out even more, then that number, could, she, could, she could grow that. Horvath does have some room to grow there. We haven't even mentioned Bob Bertini yet. This is an interesting one because there has long been a theory in this that Horvath and Loomis might beat each other up and Bob Bertina with the familiarity from people having been mayor before might just sneak up the middle. Um, the problem I think that he's going to have based on your polling numbers here is he, he's way behind. Like sneaking up the middle is going to require so many people not to turn out it seems like at this point and so many undecideds to break his way yeah i really feel like we've we've seen basically horvath has has obviously had the high name recognition and in many ways this election has kind of be become like a a, basically a referendum on horvath do you want horvath to to become the next mayor a lot of a large chunk of hamilton says yes and i think that if you don't want 
Horvath to be mayor. I think that they're basically trying to form a coalition and, and make one candidate be the anti-Horvath candidate. That appears to be Loomis, right? I think Horvath is far too strong for another third candidate to kind of run up the middle. I, I think there's, this is a two-choice election, uh, and the, the first choice is winning. The second choice is a bit behind, but I, I don't think there's enough room for a third choice to come up the middle. Horvath is, is just far too strong there. Okay, so in your experience then with this and with other elections, right now we have, according to your poll, 20% who are undecided. Normally I would say, wow, that's 20% that somebody can latch onto and that could really push someone over the top. Loomis or Horvath could really benefit from that. And yet at the same time, Robert, I look at this, I think if we're, you did this on the 13th, but if we're 10 days or less out from an election and you still, and it's been going on for weeks and weeks, and you still don't know who you're voting for, I actually wonder if you're really going to vote. Is this, traditionally, does this undecided at this point go to the polls or do they sit on the sidelines? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say specifically in in, in the context of municipal elections, but yeah, I I really do uh, agree with the sentiment that if you're kind of undecided, I think in, in many ways, especially for a municipal election, I think if you're talking a provincial or a federal election, a lot of those voters find their ways to the poll. But I, I feel like in a municipal election, if you're undecided, with we, we already have low turnout, I find I feel like a lot of those voters just won't be able to, just won't find their ways to the poll. And and I think that's that's the thing, right? Municipal elections are a lot of, it's a lot of turnout, but it's also like enthusiasm. Like, I want to go support a candidate or in some cases, I want to go vote against a candidate for a different candidate. But if you if you are really undecided as to who you particularly want to win, I I, I don't really see you you getting out there and, and, and voting on election day. One more thing, because we're very short on time, and I'm going to run over anyway. And that is that move down to some other question. Another question you asked in this poll. It wasn't just about the mayoralty. Yeah. The most important issue facing the city. I, I was very surprised by this, to be honest with you. Um, not with number one. Number one was housing. 37.1% of people said housing is the number one issue facing the city. I was surprised at number two. I was surprised that decreasing taxes would come in at number two. But it's a strong number two. It is, yeah. And I think that when you look at this, decreasing taxes i mean we've done a lot of these right we, we've done um we've done ottawa we released ottawa recently we have we have a couple of others we've done across not just ontario but uh, we did a couple for bc they had their local elections uh last saturday yes. so when you look at this um some some issues have different um salience with different demographic groups right so for example obviously uh, creating affordable housing its strongest group is the under 50s right but decreasing taxes though usually you see um voters in, in different um, income and, and education categories kind of put higher importance on it. And you kind of see a little bit of this in Hamilton where uh, where you're, you're starting to see some some voters on the higher income levels supporting decreasing taxes. But as you see in other uh, mayoral races, a lot of the times the decreasing taxes, a lot of people who are older, older homeowners, they don't want property taxes increased, obviously. But we're also seeing a significant amount of younger voters who don't want yeah, either. I, don't want well, let me just say... Let me just say the numbers here, because again, I, that was what I was going to say, that this is one that there seems to be unanimity, not unanimity, but like it's common. So uh, male and female, 24.9, 24.8 for decreased taxes, uh, 18 to 49, 29.9%, 50 to 64, 21.8, 65 plus 23.8, uh, high school or less, uh, 28.3 college or trade school, 25.6, university, 22.8. I mean, that's, you're never going to get exactly the same numbers, Robert, but that's across the board, people saying we need to bring these taxes down. 
Yeah, and, and yeah, you're you're right about that. I mean, with with MLE, with margin of error on any poll, it could be plus minus a couple of points, right? Basically, I'd consider that even. Like in terms of those numbers you just listed off, I'd consider that basically flat among all groups. And and yeah, it's a very interesting phenomenon that we're seeing some younger voters. Now, to be fair though, it is 18 to 49, right? So a lot of those are younger voters, maybe um, university students, right? But then there's also a lot of them, especially once you start getting more closer towards the 49 end of that, a lot of homeowners, right? A lot of people who are starting to have families. And, and as we, when you talk about kind of national issues, you talk about inflation and stuff, well, that really hurts homeowners in terms of mortgage payments. And I think a sure. lot of people who've maybe seen their mortgage payments increase in the last couple of months, I think maybe they're sitting around thinking, well, I really can't, I can't afford another couple percent property tax increase, right? I, like if we're having to pay more on our mortgage, we can't afford that that increased property tax, right? So I think, although a lot of people want more affordable housing, maybe those are the voters who necessarily who, who aren't happy in their current housing situation and want maybe or get on the housing ladder. I think a lot of people who are on, are on the housing ladder are like, okay, I'm here now, but I'm paying a lot of my mortgage. I don't want more taxes. Robert Martin, uh, data analyst with Main Street Research. Really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Several months ago uh, here on the show, I was chatting with a guest and we were talking about SARS Fest back in 2003. It's almost 20 years ago now. Everyone remembers that, right? There was like half a million people at the Downsview Air Force Base. And both he and I, the guest I was talking to, we were both there that day and we were both chatting about who was great. And we said ACDC was great, which they were. And Rush was amazing because, well, they're Russian, you know, that's that they're supposed to be. And then I dropped another name. I thought on that list of the people who were incredible that day was Sass Jordan. And I knew a bunch of her songs, hadn't seen her in concert before, uh, but she played with Jeff Healy that day. And she was, I thought, amazing. She killed it. Well, Ever since that day, as I've become more aware, I thought, you know what? She is one of, if not the most underrated act that we've got in this country. And Friday night in Ancaster, you can decide for yourself. Uh, at the Ancaster Memorial Arts Center, Sass Jordan will be playing. Uh, right now, though, before then, she joins me. Sass, how are you today? I guess, I guess pretty good is the answer. <laughs> not too shabby. Especially you know, after that amazing intro, bro, that that like ruled. Well, I mean, look, it's almost 20 years, which I can't really believe. But it, after know, you've played in front of half a million people, is there anywhere else to go? Uh, Yeah, there's definitely other places to go because it really isn't the amount of people. It's the, the actual vibe and the energy because uh, you can take half a million people, uh, you know, three quarters of which are paying no attention. <laughs> yep. And then you can take, you know, 500 people, all of whom are paying attention, you get a different vibe, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's all about the energy in the moment and that's really what I'm that's what I'm here for. All right, the tell me though. Tell me though what is it like? Cuz I I will never experience that. No one listening is going to experience that. Um, like what is it like singing in front of half a million people? It's it's really not that different than singing in front of 30,000 or 10,000 because when you're on the stage, you can't, it just looks like a sea. It looks like a sea of humanity. And like the only people you can pick out really are in the first couple, you know, closest to the stage. So you're not really seeing uh, individuals, but I can tell you like the first time I ever experienced uh, 
the feeling of being on a stage with it was the police it was montreal and it was university de montreal uh, in I think it must have been the 80s. It would have been the 80s. And I was on the stage, not because I was performing, but because I was a guest of somebody in the entourage, right? And I remember that was the first time I'd ever been on a structure that that many people ha- were focused on. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. it was, and I remember leaving that stage I, ne- I all I did was stand on the side I, I had nothing to do with the performance it was the police for God's sake anyways and um, I remember like flying like a kite for about five hours afterwards just from the the intensity of mm. that many people focused on on I, a structure that I happened to be standing on. That, and that it wasn't, day, it wasn't about me. It wasn't no, but that that day when you're there, did it ever? Did mm. you ever think I could do this, or did you think that's unbelievable? That's so daunting to do that. No, I was already convinced I was going to be doing it. I had no. <laughs> I was like, well, this is good. I put this in the arsenal because you know this was going to feel like and just that. But anyways, the fact is, it was when it's actually you, as it was with me with the, that SARS thing. Um, a lot of it gets sort of sidetracked simply because when you're doing something of that, you know, enormous enormity, you're being called on to do 55,000 interviews and this and that and the other thing and photographs and interviews and this and that, like you're being pulled in 70 million directions because, you know, all of a sudden you're important for 10 minutes and, um, it kind of takes away from the actual experience. Like it's, it's like you, you you're in a fog, a mm. fog, you know, it's very, sure. it's very difficult to explain obviously to someone who hasn't been in that position. And uh, which most, I would assume most of the people listening would not have been in that position. So it, it, but it's still, it's, a, it's an extremely, uh, energizing uh, there's the word mm. it's an energizing experience because you've got all this energy focused on the structure and of course when it's you on you so, so when it's uh, so whether yeah. it's that or whether it's now a few thousand or a couple dozen thousand or whatever else do you still love it does it still get that same energizing feel to it every time <laughs> a dozen thousand what what the I know. Heck is I, I, I don't know. I it, it was a it was. I, I was thinking it. how to say I, it, but it sounds like something I would say. It totally yeah. sounds like. Well, it may or may not give you diarrhea. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, listen. If I had to get up in front of that many people and sing, nobody wants that. But it definitely would. I assure you. Uh, oh Christ! Who cares what anybody wants? You got to do what you want to do, baby. But the thing is, is it's uh. It's an amazing, it really is an amazing experience. I'm not going to under, undervalue it in any way, shape or form, but yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it really is. It depends on the moment. Like it, when you are connecting with um, multiple human, pe- humanity, <laughs> multiple people, um, you know, if they're if they're if if you're all in in sequence energetically, which is what will happen, you'll entrain into the same energy when you're I- involved in like a concert type event or whatever else, whatever you know. So once that happens, it, the more people, the more it's intensified. 
but it it still can be really extreme and intense with a remarkably small amount of people. Mm. It's amazing how few it takes to just get that like that high between everybody. I mean, the people who are who are witnessing the, the let's say the music are just as important as those who are uh, performing it. You know, and it's, it's it's like a it's a two way street. Uh, do you feel like you're still the same artist you were? 20 years ago when that happened or even more than that three decades ago when no. you were just pumping it or are you a different artist now? Oh, I'm a different person. And I think that informs one's art, art artistry, you know, so you, you, I would like to think I'm a little bit more evil. <laughs> However, we all, we all would. Yes. Whether we are or not. Maybe a, I'm fooling myself and I don't believe it. Well, that's my pal. That's nice. Sticks. Little, little sticks. Like, yeah. Little sticks reference. That's good. Little, little sticks. Little oh, Larry yeah. Gowan reference in there. Oh that's yeah. Good. Well, yeah. it's not Larry. Well, not really. Good it's Tommy God Tommy Shaw, him. but yeah. Yes, I love Larry. He's insane, and I have known Larry since I was like sixteen. On the, we were playing the same circuits when I was sixteen, and Larry or Lawrence or however we yes. call we call him Larry because you know we're Canadian, but everybody calls him Lawrence. Anyways, I just saw him like a week ago. We were getting on the same plane. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you've Anyways, played with, he, it's not just him though. Like you, uh, when you mention him and that, you know him and you've played with, uh, I was looking it up. You've played with everybody. Yeah. Well, once you're, once you've been around this long, Scott, if you haven't, there's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> but I mean, no, but I mean, go to, I was watching something on YouTube just a while ago where you were playing with Foo Fighters. Now I know you had a connection there to Taylor and you, but you, I mean, mm -hmm. you go down the list with, with Joe Cocker and with, like, you've really, oh, like yeah, there's so know, many people that you've played with. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's been a, a long, illustrious career. <laughs> and, and yet you're still pumping out. You got a new album out right now, which. Um, yes, sir, I am. And it's, mm -hmm. tell us the name of the album. Bitches Blues. There you go. Okay. And I was, I was loving it. The first song, uh, Still Alive and Well. I, I'm yeah. guessing that's not a coincidental title. Maybe there's a little autobiographical there. <laughs> well, it, it would be if I'd written it, but um, I just thought, it, for, I, I loved that song when I was a kid. <laughs> and now that I'm not, I can, I still love it. And it actually has more relevance at this point you know what i'm saying so i i and and everybody you know when you when people hear that it's like especially after what we've all just been through collectively as a species um and what we're continuing to go through as a species and just uh it's it it has a certain je ne sais quoi that seems to you know resonate with people i just i love that song it's 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 johnny it's edgar Win johnny and edgar winter yeah, no, and, and yeah. the whole album though, because I, I mean, I was listening through it, and and I'll say that the, um, it's not what people have heard from you necessarily before. It's a lot more bluesy. I mean, if they've just only listened to your well, it's, hits, it's more like this, the record before it too, which which uh, Rebel Moon Blues. It's 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 this is my blues phase. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like I, I was thinking as I was listening, and, and this sounds maybe a little bit weird, but I was uh, years ago, I spent an evening at the Rum Boogie Cafe on Beale Street in Memphis, and I thought that could oh, be played yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have played, I played the Beale Street Music Festival in the 90s, which is, of course, last century. So mm. God bless us if we can remember that. But yeah. <laughs> 
And it was, it was, I mean, you know, oddly enough, the headliner was Beck. Oh. Which doesn't really, I wouldn't. With you? (laughs) No, my God, no, I wasn't the headliner. Oh, dear God. No, 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 no. I wouldn't really put Beck, I wouldn't see he was, he's an extremely brilliant, talented artist, I have to say. He does all kinds of different genres, which is really, if you love music, you know, like I do, like I relate and resonate to so many different styles of music and I've explored a lot of them in my time uh, as an artist and I will continue to do so because I love music and I love the way music allows you to communicate with with huge groups of people at the same time you know instead of speaking words you're you're playing like harmonics and rhythms and 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 also words you know what I mean? It's just a, it's just such a powerful tool to connect. When did you realize that? How old were you when you realized music could do that? Like a little girl um, or a teenager? Or oh, no, I was a kid. Oh, God, I was definitely a kid. I, I'm just, I would say when I lived in India when I was eight years old and they would have like these um, festivals in the streets with music and the drums going. And it was just like, it was absolutely transcendental. It was, I was like, whoa, it would just take you into a different space. You know, I mean, music, rhythm, sound, uh, harmonics. It's like, it's all our indigenous people, you know, that's where it comes from originally, obviously. And, and uh, you know, I say this all the time. I think all of us are indigenous people in some sense, you know, because we're all indigenous to some area. Mm. Where were we born? You know, where we're born, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, music is just the most powerful communicative tool there is because it transcends language, it transcends borders. You know, it, it goes directly to the heart, to the soul. And that's, you know, what I'm here for. I got to ask, when you say that that was when you were a little girl, was the way you sing now, your voice was was the Sass Jordan voice there when you were that kid, or when no. did that show up? When did that voice? Come? Oh Where my did that god, come was from? it ever not? Oh my god, I heard my, my first band. Oh my god, these recordings of me and my first band, and oh, I cannot even. I'm like, I listen to that, and I think, dear lord, how wow! It is the most. It's not so much a tonal. It just has no. There's no personality. There's nothing in it. It's just like <laughs> it's extraordinarily dull. Uh, and I and I'm like I don't know when did I have no idea when that kicked in. But it must have been like actually I think I do know. It would have been with the pinups, and it would have been from 17, 18, 19 years old on. That's where it would have kicked in. Definitely when I started learning to really imitate the people that I that I looked up to, the people that I loved and listened to constantly for phrasing and how they breathed and how they sang and how they, you know, how they phrased, how they would put the 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 line into the rhythm, the the melodic line into the rhythm. For example, like a Stevie Wonder or, you know, of course uh, Shaka Khan, who's who I really wanted to be. But uh, sadly, what you hear now is me trying to be Shaka Khan 
nice work. But but I had read somewhere that most of the people that I don't know if it's true, but most of the people that when you were growing up, the singers that you really admired or really wanted were to men. be like were men. Is that true? <clears throat> Absolutely true. <clears throat> Absolutely. It was like, um, excuse me. I loved Paul Rogers. I loved David Bowie. I loved Mick Jagger. I loved Steven Tyler. Uh Steve Perry. I don't know if you know all the people I'm talking about because you yeah, know, yeah, these are. I mean, oh, oh my God, Isaac Hayes, Al Green, um, 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 um. Oh God, what the heck is his name? Marvin Gaye. Thank you. Uh, all the female singers that I mostly loved were like black R and B singers, you know. Um, the one fem white female singer that I can think of that I really adored was Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, that well, that would make some sense. That would make, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm thinking as you're describing all these guys, like throw in Luciano Pavarotti and you've pretty much covered the entire spectrum <laughs> of every kind of music. Like there's not one type of person there. It's everybody. Right? I forgot Rod Stewart. Dear God. I Rod, Rod Stewart. Stewart. Well, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I love Rod. Um, and, uh, oh, there's millions of them. There's Joe Cocker, please, for God's sake. I mean, there's millions, there's millions of them that I love, you know. I mean, I can't, I, I can't list them all. Oh, Jethro, um, Ian Anderson. And as you can see, I sound exactly like Ian Anderson, I say. Well, and no. you probably can name them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Even though we'd be here for the next two years. Why we we only have a minute or so left here? Why? See? See? I, I know. I wish we could keep going, but wh why? <laughs> what what is the motivation for you now? And and, and I, because once upon a time, I'm guessing the motivation was to become somewhat successful and to pump out all kinds of hits and everything else. Is that the same thing today, or is there a different thing that drives you? One hundred percent different. In that time, I wanted to be important. And now all I care about as unbelievably um, cliche as this may sound, I don't care. All I care about now is light, love and healing. And that is my intention when I get on a stage. That's it, period. It is. Uh, it's a hey. It's a good. Uh, it, if you're gonna go for something, those seem like good ones to go for. As opposed to as opposed to just like going for fame or going for money or going for hits, it, it would sound a lot more satisfying and and honestly a lot less it stressful. Is. It absolutely is. And and fame and money and all that bollocks. I've had it. Don't really. It doesn't mean anything relative to actually having people feel better. That it's just a giant, it, it is a gigantically huge difference. And the difference is, is you actually feel like what you're doing is worth something. And that changes you as a human being. It, it, it changes how you feel about yourself. When you love yourself, you can love everybody else. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And when you're going for money and fame and all that bollocks, it's not anything it's cracked up to be. Take it from me. That is Sass Jordan. Uh, Friday night, she is at the Ancaster Memorial Arts Center. Uh, there are still, I look, there are a few tickets left if you want to uh, jump in there and grab them. Um, 
it is uh, it is a joy to talk to you. I really, as I say, I, ever since that day in 20, 2003, when I uh, nearly burnt to death, by the way, because it was a little warm that day, as I recall. But, oh, my uh, God. <laughs> uh, I've, I've looked for, I've been hoping to have a chance to chat, and, and here we go. Really appreciate it, Sass. Thanks for doing this today. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Scott. And I hope everybody comes out and hangs out because we're going to have a blast. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening. And do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.